John Fitch here. John Fitch knows nothing. Welcome to the show. It's uh, another Sunday night. We have another action-packed episode for you. 118. We've done 118 of these. That's a lot. Considering also we did we did a buttload of the shake breaks before we moved over to the uh, John Fitch knows nothing platform. Uh, today our guest is Jack. Uh, Jack Napier. <clears throat> We're talking about him and uh, a lot of Red Pill stuff. So stay tuned. I'm going to play a little something in, get some more viewers on this. A lot of people are late to the party as usual. All right. <clears throat> I do weddings too. almost good i think you hear my dog barking let's get jack on here yo what's going on <clears throat> oh no i He's absolutely so loved it your dog didn't like it i guess he didn't like it no he oh yeah he like he's like a girlfriend an annoying girlfriend like he has to have your attention or whatever you're doing he hates it so yeah, they tend to do that. They tend yeah, to do that. Yeah, if he gets that. in the way when I'm lifting weights, or if I'm playing music, or <clears throat> if I have a lady friend around. Oh yeah. god, yeah, I saw your squat like two days ago. Damn man, that is a good squat. Yep, it's getting big. They're getting real big. Mm -hmm. Kids, uh, the kids need to get bigger though, so they can help me more with the dog. Oh, that would be nice. It little child nice. labor going on nothing well no not not child they can handle like picking up the poop and stuff like that but they're just physically too small to handle the size of my puppy <laughs> right now what dog is it he's a he's a pressa canario or a canary mastiff so he's about he's a, he just turned a, a, a year old last week and then he's about 126 pounds right now mm -hmm. he may yeah, I know the mastiffs i know the mastiffs there but he's an athlete I've never seen a dog this big. Like he, the kids, we were parked and the kids rolled down the windows because they're at a flag football game and they saw their friends walking by. So they were talking and the dog, he just jumped out of the back window like nothing. Damn. That was crazy. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's the thing. Jump with up like six feet in the air and kiss you on the mouth. Like, it's just nice. It's impressive how uh, crazy it is. So, uh, Jack, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I just woke up. It's 4 a.m. in the Netherlands yes. where I'm at, uh, just in my morning coffee. But I'm uh, thankful to be here. It's glad, 
pleasure to meet you. And um, yeah, let's just let's go with it, man. Let's go with it. What, so, what exactly are you doing in the Netherlands? Uh, living is one actually. Um, working is one as well. I still got some orthodontics going, but mainly what I'm really working cheaper, on now, cheaper in the Netherlands. Oh no, not necessarily. I was even born in the Netherlands. I am actually Dutch. Okay. To great surprise of many, I know a lot of people think I'm either. I've been accused of being Irish, Scottish, and English. Oh, we and all Scandinavian is going the round now. Right. We all look the same, right? So we all do. We all do. <laughs> but what I'm working on right now, I am officially Troy Francis, his narrator. So I'm busy okay. narrating most of his books. But after the orthodontics, I will be moving out more into the world, exploring it and things like that, because most of my work then will just be remote so I can be wherever I want. So, yeah, I mean, that honestly seems like like the best. Best path moving forward for most people work for yourself and be able to, like, work from home. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I I did have an office job where I could work from home, but the audio recording is just taking up so much time mm -hmm. where I had to make a choice. And I'm pretty, how do I phrase that? I'm not afraid to like end something like a job or whatever, because jobs are out there. Mm -hmm. Jobs are out there. There's always a job to be found. And this moment, yeah, this moment for me was kind of like a big leap, and I would regret it if I would not take it. So I was like, mm -hmm. you know what? I'm going to sit my ass down, narrate all these books, and if I fail, at least I can say I tried. Mm -hmm. But what if, what if I do it right? What if it doesn't fail? That would just 100%. be amazing. No, but 100%. to let an opportunity like that go just for an office job, I'm like, that's insane. That's yeah, that insane. security is not. No, that was the same same logic when I decided to not, you know, get a job with my degree and start start fighting, see what what, what turned up, see what happened. You started out fighting pretty late, didn't you? Well, com my age, you know, yeah. So I was, I, 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 I graduated. Purdue University before I had ever fought. So I was like, what, 24 or something, 25 before I had fought. And then I had fought seven times before I'd ever sparred. Because <laughs> it was. How did that happen? Oh, it's just the, it, because of the, the time period. It was, it was the, you know, it was the, uh, the Wild West. So people were just trying to figure things out. There wasn't a, like, a, how, how, you know, how to MMA fight for dummies, you know. There wasn't one of those. So it was just like everybody back then was a pioneer because we were figuring out ourselves. Like I had friends, the Wininsky brothers, they're from Indiana. They 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 got good because they they watched UFC fights and they got bootleg VHS copies of the fights. And then they would learn the techniques and practice them in their backyard. And you know, these guys just got having having like 50 fights or something back then in the days. So and I, I I fought three times where I fought more than one time in one night. You know, it was just, it was just different. There weren't, um, there weren't regulatory bodies really, you know, if the state didn't make it illegal, anybody could just put on a show and there, and there was no, like, no rules. It's like you or me could just be like, Hey man, let's throw some fights together and we'll just get some people to show up and 
we'll pay them a hundred bucks each. <laughs> so actual events just could be held in fighting without anyone batting an eye, sort of say. Yeah, because if it wasn't illegal, then there, as long as you were like up to the fire code and all that stuff, like no one cared. There's no oh, like nice. guaranteed, no guaranteed uh, insurance or whatever. Hmm. Yeah, which is kind of dangerous. Well, <laughs> I mean, there, there are guys like wrapping their own hands with like duct tape in the back, and like there's no like commission overseeing safety. You got to use the gloves you brought with you, you know that type of stuff. Oh, it reminds me of that movie, The Wrestler. Ever seen it with Nicky yeah. Gore? Yeah. Like wrestling is kind of the same thing on the in the on the entry levels, isn't it? Well, the uh, I mean, the business model is the same, honestly, right now, because there's no free agency in MMA. So, so they, they the promoters kind of run things like a pro wrestling promoter would, except they, except instead of the predetermined outcomes of the wrestling matches, they're they're real fights. But everything else, the way they run everything else, is exactly the same as pro wrestling. Oh God! Yeah, it's so like there, yeah, that movie does that. That that movie is like, um, yeah, it it really sinks in because you know, especially back in the day, back then, there were some guys who were really they were really chasing the spotlight. They they weren't making big money even, you know. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I never knew. I I never knew actually what got you into fighting because you were like seven to ten fights before you even started out professionally. Like, what was well, that? No, no, no. I, I, I was no. My first fight was a professional fight. I lost that, and then I went and did an amateur tournament. I won that, and then um, I, had, I, I, it was, I hadn't like sparred until, yeah, I've been fighting almost. No, I hadn't fought a whole year yet, but yeah, I, I hadn't sparred for a while. The first time I went to AKA is the first time I ever sparred. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just the way it was. I didn't have gloves. Like I remember wrapping my hands. I, I didn't know how to do it. There was no YouTube to learn, right? So Funny like, enough, I learned it via YouTube. I'm doing kickboxing yeah. now. I'm like, how do we? We, we didn't. We didn't have YouTube. We had like mail order MMA movies and VHSs and borrow them from people and make copies and shit like that. It was like our. That's how we piece things together. <laughs> the good All old that. days. Good old days, boomers. Now you just Google shit. What is an arm bar? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Although I do, remember, I do remember the time before the internet, though, and the copying things, like um, borrowing things from everybody, and computers were just getting in every household, and you had this CD burner thing, and someone mm -hmm. had an illegal copy, and then you made a copy yep. of a copy of a copy of a copy, and that just went through yep. the entire school. It was amazing. Yeah, that was uh, interesting days. But I, I remember, I remember the LimeWire days. Yeah, downloading yeah. stuff. Getting that's probably why my uh, computer shorted out. <laughs> oh man, I I had to throw away so many of those budget Windows computers just because I used LimeWire wrong, or some torrent website. Like even now, you see when you go to websites like that, it's just pop up, pop up. It's not good, man. It's all trash. <laughs> of course, don't do these things at home, Kips. Buy everything legally. It was just Buy we were in the legally. beginning stages of the internet, and then you walk into things and you learn not to do them anymore. So yes, this is sharing an experience. You learn some hard. You learn, learn some hard lessons. <clears throat> Always do everything legally. Always. So, uh, you know, you're just going to keep going with the. Uh, 
you know, the, the reading the books um, once your your oral issues are over with? Um, Where are you planning on moving moving to if you're leaving the Netherlands? Well, I'm not per se moving, but it's more okay. traveling and things like that. A bit of reconnaissance here and there. Mm. I have thought about completely. You just moving. don't necessarily have to be there to work. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. That's kind of you know. I mean, I'm I'm anchored here in San Jose because I have the kids, but you know, I don't have them half the time. So like, I'm hoping to travel to do seminars and small groups and stuff like that, and then it'll be. That'd be nice. I can even, you know, internationally travel. Hopefully, that was the idea um, initially. Was is when I when I retired from fighting was to be able to, to move my family around and you know live remotely and you know do seminars and live off of that and live different places. And that was initially the idea, but that was only somebody somebody changed their mind. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess that happens. I thought yeah, about completely leaving the Netherlands, but it's actually pretty good here. It really is. Like uh, the healthcare system is taken care of. The whole dental thing is very good. Um, insurance overall is pretty good. Living as in housing is something that's being worked on here. Inflation is hitting hard as well. Mm -hmm. I had a friend who bought an apartment a while back in December. He's like, if I'd sell it now six months later, I would have 15,000 euro profit. It's like wow! In six months, that amount of profit on your on your apartment—that's just insane. They're doing a weird thing here in, uh, in the U.S. Where is it? BlackRock or there's a company who's buying up all these houses. It's very scary. Some of the reports are saying that in 15 to 30 years, like it'll be impossible for an average person to to buy a house. Oh damn! They're trying. They're trying if they own all the properties because they're paying twenty to fifty percent above market price or above what the asking price is. Mm -hmm. They're taking a loss on just owning the properties, knowing that sooner or later they're going to own all of them. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's getting scary. pretty scary out there. But everybody shits on the millennials, like, oh, millennials don't have housing and blah blah blah. Well, maybe because previous generations keep printing damn money and causing inflation. But hey, who are we? Yep. Yeah, that's the whole uh, that's the whole thing. I had a rant the other week about the the taxes because me and my friend went, me and my friend Coach Mo went fishing and we almost got a ticket for not having fishing licenses. And oh, and my friend, my friend, you know, my friend, it's probably it's not a big deal, twenty twenty five bucks probably for a fishing license, but whatever. But my friend uh, was like, "Well, I understand the money goes to like helping the parks," and I was like, "Bullshit!" <laughs> it's like. No, our money doesn't go towards anything other than them them suppressing our wealth. Because if they need money, they just print more money. Like, there's no reason for them to tax us at all. Mm -hmm. If they need it, they just print it. So, like, the only reason they take our money is to make sure that we don't we don't get rich. Yes and no. Yes and no. Like, if they <laughs> wouldn't have the money printer, like taxes would still be in place to keep money in circulation. But what's also a big factor is all the bureaucratic bullshit jobs. Yep. All the fake like, jobs. TSA. Yeah. You know that book, Bullshit Jobs? I haven't seen that book, no. Oh, it's a great book about how useless many of these jobs really are. And I believe, what's his name? Harry, Harry Hazlitt, something like that. Economics in One Lesson. One of the first chapters is about governmental jobs just to make taxation have a place because at a certain point a government will tax too much and then they need excuses 
for those taxes. So they'll yep. create jobs that will, let's say, explain all those taxes away. Well, there's so many government workers for all the uh, all the benefits you people have from the government that, well, we need more taxes, which is complete horseshit, really. Yep. It's taxation is theft. Mm. Yeah, the older, I the, older, the older I get, the more anarchist I am. Leave me alone. Leave my money alone. Because yeah, I live in California, so we get we get taxed uh, on top of the 30, 33% of our income tax that goes to the federal government. We get an extra 13% on uh, state tax here in, in California. And that's really frustrating. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. But the yeah. thing is, a lot of people will say, oh, you're just very selfish and blah, blah, blah. No, actually not. We The only thing we would like is just to be left alone, do our own thing, we'll take care of ourselves because uh, in the Netherlands you have mandatory healthcare. Yeah. And I'm actually not a big fan of that because people would say, they use the fear argument, like, what if something will happen? Yes. Well, how, so high, how high are the chances of something actually happening? That's one. Mm -hmm. How many years of mandatory healthcare payments are uh, thrown away? just because I take good care of myself. What's happening, what's happening now is that the most healthy people are just paying for, and beg my pardon, for the stupidity of others. Because yes. it doesn't take a lot of mental uh, capacity, sort of say, for people to know to put the damn cookie down. But as we've seen with COVID, most of the cases, obese people. Yep, 70, things like that. Uh, yeah, something like that. But no, There's they like had to be. 70% of the deaths were like, I think, morbidly, or no, overweight people. Yeah. But yeah, it was a massive amount. Like most sicknesses and deaths stem from eating shitty food. Most mental health issues a lot of people have. Like, oh, I, I have anxiety. I have a, so yeah, you have a shitty diet and you don't exercise. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And most problems can be helped with that instead of some mandatory healthcare which fixes symptoms yep. instead of the cause. Yep. But I mean, yeah, that's that's the Ponzi you, scheme you get, for you. You get medicine to fix a thing, and then when uh, the thing doesn't get fixed from medicine, you get more medicine to help fix the other medicine. My dad had the same thing, man. He had something with his leg, but the man's overweight. And I keep telling him, like, do something about your diet. And I went with him to the doctor. And that doctor sits there. Well, um, Napier Senior, uh, well, the, the problem is, and I look at that doctor. I'm like, just tell him he needs to lose weight. I already tried. You're the doctor. And that doctor looks at me like, how could you say that? I'm like, well, that's what he needs to hear. It's the truth. Yeah, We can't tell people the truth these days. Because everything is about, it's all emotionalism these days. So, yeah. yeah, that's one of the things. What do you think of the uh, this kind of manosphere red pill space right now? What, what's the future look like? Because there's a ton of the, – the popular thing right now is, like, red meat, it seems like. Oh, that where will they, fade. Where they, yeah, they're just all, you know um, – I love the shows, but, you know, I watched a couple weeks of, like, Fresh and Fit and uh, Kevin uh, Samuels. And after a while, like, you could predict what everybody was going to say and – you know, what the next, you know, it was all all repetitive. It's like I, I had to double check to make sure I didn't already listen to the episode. Yeah, I know what you mean. Kevin Samuels, I've heard about him. 
never really watched him. He seems like it's a great. genuine. He's great, really smart guy. Yeah. No, this seems but like I, a genuine. As far as like uh, benefit from benefiting from it, like guys, I think are getting stuck in a in a in a hate loop. Gives them like they get a feel indignant and like whatever about some of the crazy people that crawl in on the show rather than actually doing work and making uh, improvements in themselves. Yeah, which is a shame. I do get, though, when you're in the anger phase, things like uh, Samuels, Fresh and Fit, maybe even better Bachelor every now and then, like ease the pain a bit or something like that when you're going through that. But at, a, at some point, you have to get out of it. And then you get, as a content creator, you get to the evergreen stuff which will last the test of time, so to say. When it comes to the red meat, it always goes in circles. So let's say before Fresh and Fit, you had Kevin Samuels. Before Kevin Samuels, you had Coach Greg Adams or what his name is. And before mm -hmm. Coach Greg Adams, you had Donovan Sharp. And even before Donovan Sharp, you had um, someone else. And even before that, you also had someone else. And I think that then you get to the point where there's no internet. But then you had the return of kings, then you had the posts and uh, things like that, all the Reddit. There's always been this red meat, but it's always by somebody else. Now let's look at Rolo, for instance. He doesn't really chase red meat or whatever. He's been in this space for how long? How long has he been writing? I don't know. But his content yeah. is evergreen, so it will stand the test of time. Same as Ryan Stone. Mm -hmm. uh, he's been a moderator for Married Red Pill for I don't know how long. No, he hasn't started YouTube for that long. But I can guarantee you that will last. People will come back to that as well. Instead of, let's say, in five years, the new guy who does the red meat is there. Well, since he's doing it, nobody has to go back to a better bachelor or a coach Greg Adams because there's a new guy doing it. Mm -hmm. Instead with Rolo and things like that, there really isn't, there's only one guy to go to for the actual theory on it. And that's Rolo. Yeah. And I think that the future will have more division in this whole space where you get the money grabbers, so to say, and the guys who actually want to swap notes, share ideas, get to better places and share different mm -hmm. perspectives. I think. Yeah. It's always, it's going to be difficult because <clears throat> there's always going to be, well, it's not difficult. I take it back. It's just, uh, there's always going to be a larger kind of pop following around the easy, the easy reward. You know, they get the easy dopamine hit. And that's always the, that's always the people. There's going to be more of those people than the ones that are like, you know what? This isn't, this isn't moving me forward anywhere. Mm -hmm. Like, let's get into something where I got to, like, lift heavy and, you know, strain my back. Yeah, well, and that's where you kind of come in and Rich Cooper even. <clears throat> it's like at a certain point, and I've been running into this as well. So, in all honesty, the last two weeks, online dating has been a fucking train wreck. I don't know <laughs> what it is, but I keep getting matches with girls who are like, well, I'm looking for this or I'm not that kind of girl. And I'm like, fuck it. Never. By the way, can I curse? Yeah, I don't. I'm, oh, on okay. a, I'm on a plenty of platforms. I don't. Nice. Strikes, I don't care. So I'm like, oh, oh, fuck it. Show. 
like, fuck it, never mind. Like, screw these bitches. But the thing is... I'm quick to next these days. Mm-hmm. But I hate that. And I could, I could do two things. One would be I can go and watch Better Bachelor, Kevin Samuels, Donovan Sharp, you name it. No disrespect to these guys, by the way. I mean, Donovan got me started on YouTube. So mm-hmm. this is with all due respect. Oh, what I'm trying to, yeah, he does. What I'm trying to say is with all due respect is I could linger in those, let's say, red meat things where 30-year-old woman freezes eggs and finds out she can never get pregnant. And look at that stupid bimbo for riding the carousel and blah, 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 blah. Or and this is my actual uh, default approach, I could ask myself, what in the last two weeks have I been doing wrong? Because clearly, I've been doing something wrong because the response is pretty much the same. Now, I could say, oh, it's all their fault. Mm -hmm. I don't really like blaming others. Now, (laughs) I I had this conversation with Aaron Clary. He's like, Jack, stop banging your head against the wall. It's not you. I'm like, well, maybe there's a truth to that where it's not me. And I keep having the same problem over and over and over again. There's a good chance that you're the problem. Exactly. But at a certain point, like I do take care of myself. The pictures are right, blah, 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 blah. I can't get the numbers, you name it. But when you've read the, have you read the book of numbers by Clary? No, I haven't read it yet. Okay, well, it's it's pretty bleak where it's like the the actual percentage of marriageable and dateable women. It's it's pretty low. Yep. And so he tells me like it's not always you. I'm like yeah, but even if it's not, as long as I think it's me, I'm at least the one in control. Like I mm-hmm. see every situation as. Okay, this didn't go the way as planned or as I would have liked it. What can I change? Which to me is way more productive than saying, oh, the bitches ain't nothing but hoes and tricks. What's the point? Just give up. Some things just are that way. Just, yeah, 100%. I have a big poster on my, uh, in my garage wall where my weights are. It says, "It's, it's your fault. It is. It's your fault. It's all because no matter what happens, how you uh, feel about it or react to it, that's you. That's on you. Yeah, it's a, yeah. it's a way better. Um, it's a way better way of looking at things. Yeah, far more. Productive. I get I get in arguments with people. You're too hard on yourself. Stop being so hard on yourself. I'm like, I no. It's like you should be the hardest on yourself. Yeah. Be harder on yourself than you are on other people. It'll work out mm. better. There's always a bigger fish, mm-hmm. always. No matter what goal you reach, there will always be a bigger fish. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's so. Um, uh, hmm? Did you you were um, you were helping uh, Troy Francis with his uh, his uh, his uh, his his uh, recent course, the uh, conversation course. Yes, I did that as well. I did the narrations for the audio, or for um, sorry, for the book that was okay. with the course included yeah. in the course. Uh, yeah, we, I got to go through the course. It was, it's so, it's so, uh, man. It seems like no brainer type of stuff. Like, like, like um, modern life dating, John's uh, body language course. Also, like I went through that, and it's such a simple. You know, it's so dumb. Like, why isn't this just like something that's taught when you're when you're twelve? 
you know, in the sixth grade before you go to junior high. Like there should you could just sit down and have everybody watch a movie one day and like it would make so much of adolescence and teenage and young adulthood so much easier for men, you know, because it's really not some secret mystery of how you can read a person's body language or approach a stranger and, and just have a conversation. Especially approaching the stranger, I found myself as of late being um, lazy because Tinder mm -hmm. has spoiled me through yes. the months. And yeah. I, I had approach anxiety going on. I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, what? Because mm -hmm. when I was younger, like pre-red pill and things like that, I was a bit of a... One of my friends described me as he has no shame. Mm. To which I was like, well, I just like talking to people. But like after I've read all this game stuff and I understand more what's under the hood, I get a, I got kind of um, pana, sorry, analysis paralysis, sort of say, or paralysis mm. by analysis, where it's like, what do you have to say and blah blah blah. While when I was younger, I was just like, hey, she wears a shirt I like. That's a band I used to listen to as yeah. well. I, th those were my openers. I really didn't care. So since Tinder has uh, spoiled me a bit, I needed to get back into that mindset where it's like, we're just people. Who the hell cares? Mm -hmm. So ever since last week, I just held myself accountable to, as soon as I see a girl I'm attracted to, sort of say, just say, hey, get her attention, get the eye contact. You look cute. That's it. No need to stop them or whatever, but at least get over that stupid anxiety because that's what it is. It really is stupid. It's just, yeah. what is she going to do? What is she really going to do? Laugh at you? I'm like, I'm still yeah. a foot taller than you, and I can probably bench press you. Mm -hmm. Laughing at me is like the least of my problems. <laughs> but it's something you had to learn again, and it it's because of what I said, and that's with uh, the generation of men right now. So I think this is just a hypothesis. Well, there's a big disconnect with people today anyways, because everything's online, everything's through exactly. video games or social media. Exactly. And then now uh, we have a year of freaking COVID lockdown. So a lot of those, these kids may really be messed up coming up. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's what I said. Tinder spoiled me. So I was reliant on my phone and mm -hmm. it uh, came at the cost of my real life interactions. Now you could say, well, you still have to interact on dates. Yeah, but that's different from that initial meeting. Yeah. And as we just spoke about with Troy's course, sort of say the uh, dating conversation success, he also have a, he also has his book, Approacher Like Chad and things like that. Say whatever you want. Troy's work is something I will just vouch for every day. Mm -hmm. I told him a while back, you know what the only problem with your courses is? He's like, what? It's so much. It's like his CAD Academy is over 10 hours long and even mm -hmm. dating conversation success is about five to seven hours or something like that. But he. Yeah, I got through all the videos and he still has audio and other stuff. Mm -hmm. that too. But he goes through that whole mental model guys go through where it's like, what are they really afraid of? Uh, why aren't they do it? Why are they making excuses? And seriously, mm -hmm. even last week, because I um, I told myself at least one girl a day, just, hey, you look cute. And as I'm walking by, no need, whatever. 
and it's already getting less. It's so stupid me talking about this, but okay. There was one girl who reacted so positively that it made my entire day. Like, I look at her, she looks at me, I'm like, hey, she's like, you look cute. She's like, thanks. That's so nice. I made her day just by saying yeah. just a normal compliment. Yeah. You have that with, I, weirdly enough, uh, this is no homo, but there was a guy who had his style on point. Like Tanner Guzzi could have said to him, you know what? I have nothing to say about this. This was good. I look at the guy. I'm like, you look great. You should have seen his face. Mm -hmm. He didn't know how to respond. He did not know how to take the compliments. No. That that's something I, I recommend to people who, it, you know, a pickup is just you know talking to people. <laughs> you know, it's been it's been repackaged and marketed to guys who want to meet girls, but it's just, hey, can I talk to a, can I walk up to a stranger and start a conversation and not have them think I'm a creep? Yeah, <laughs> that's really all it is. It's the, it's the kiss principle. Remember that. Keep it simple, stupid. Bingo. Yeah. That holds true for like everything. Yeah. Training. That, that's something I recommend. I guess is just talk to everybody. Talk to your Uber driver. Talk to the you know you're in the the maintenance guys in the elevator as you're going up to your apartment. Just talk, start a conversation. Like yeah. whatever. No, yeah. see something that you notice about them, then comment on it. See what happens. Best way to do it in the grocery store when you're in uh, in the checkout line, things like that. Mm -hmm. Just talk yeah, to people. Casual. And then you get used to just like that uh, assuming familiarity. People respond really well to that. It's so, because like, I don't know, we're kind of conditioned to think that we're, oh, we're going to bother people. But like, yeah. you just like, talk to them like you're already their friend and you've known them for a while. Like they they respond pretty, pretty immediately. Mm -hmm. Well, that's kind of the thing. Uh, remember, uh, like a few minutes back, you mentioned that nexting becomes a lot these days. Usually, when uh, girls like say, "Oh, I don't, I'm not like that," or whatever, I just put behind it with you. That's the same thing with conversations during the day when people get annoyed. It's usually because of you, because there's plenty of conversations I had during the day very kind people, very open, you name it. But there are people, though, who try to do it with me, strike up a conversation. I'm like, you do not get the hint. You just do not get that I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> but in yeah. general, most people like it when you just strike mm -hmm. up a normal conversation. It's when you start to linger and things like that, or somebody is just sitting alone a bit. They're, they're closed off body language. That's when it gets annoying. Yeah. No, that's uh, the whole body language thing. I've become more more aware of it. I think I've always kind of been able to sense people's energy, but like really, really being and paying attention to not just other people's, but like I'll pay attention to mine because people will approach me or talk to me or whatever, and I'll notice that I'm my body language is closed off. I'm like, oh, this is kind of rude. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I should probably open up to them and like address them and be a part of the conversation for real. Yeah. yeah I know what you mean. Like phone down, open uh, yeah. arms next to the body, things like that. Maybe the thumbs in the pocket, whatever, but just an open body language to make these people unconsciously feel welcomed as well. You've ever read um, what every body is saying by yes. Joan of Yeah. I did read that. It's an excellent book. It is. Very good book. 
Yeah, and that was the, uh, you know, I read that before I, I, I uh, went through uh, the body language mastery course. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, he just basically is going through a lot of the points that, he, that Joe Navarro went through in there. And it's not even that you can tell if a person's lying or whatever. You, you just notice little little things about their body language. It lets them know that they're open to you or they're closed off to you or you know, their feet are pointing away. They want to escape the conversation. You might have said something that uh, made them uncomfortable. It's pretty, it's pretty, uh, pretty spot on, especially if you're planning on dating. <laughs> Mm -hmm. But it's those subtle hints as well with, yeah. let's say, the legs crossed because there's a difference in there as well. So let's say they've got the leg that is towards you crossed over. That's closing off. But when they have the opposite leg uh, crossed, that's an open signaling, sort of say. That's just something that you either know or don't because I never knew that because uh, I watched body language mastery as well from John and he was spot on say whatever you want like it may be simple but it indeed is things that well not everybody knows yeah and if you're not able to read on those things it can it can lead to a lot of awkward moments as soon as a girl crosses her legs like from me away from me I'm like okay like leaning back yeah nothing yep. to worry about instead of leaning in or whatever or what's the meme? Never lean in. Otherwise, I get never, a green line never, drawn. Yep. Don't want the green lines. That'll get you. That'll get me on the memes of uh, what's his now name? Now I can't take pictures ever without being like, am I leaning in? <laughs> Always conscious of it. Lean out I can't imagine. <laughs> Luckily, I hate taking pictures, so that's good enough for me. Oh, man. Um... What has been uh, the major thing? I mean, how has lockdown been over there? Have you been uh, stuck there for a while? Have you been able to move a lot over the past year? Well, I actually have been able to do a lot of the things I wanted. Um, working from home became a thing, which was an absolute godsend, which mm -hmm. made me able to work more on the channel, the Twitter, uh, get more in touch with Troy, work on some audio books, things like that. Um, made the dental care easier. Although I would have wanted it last year, then COVID hit and they had to reschedule because they didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. uh, I was kind of bummed out with that. The biggest problem though was kickboxing. Mm. I was hella pissed because of that. No gyms open because yet well luckily like i've got the squat rack beside yeah. me so that was never a problem it really was the kickboxing where i was like fuck me i was just doing it for six months i was really enjoying it and then the whole go with thing happened mm. and they kind of did bag training every now and then but it became like a circuit training which isn't bad but it's not well i mean that's what heavy bags are generally for power and cardio mm -hmm. you know yeah. I, I did enjoy it, but it doesn't have my preference over learning the techniques and trying them out with a partner and mm -hmm. studying it, failing at it, and then trying it again, sort of say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the uh, the type of what they like the Dutch drills they call them. Those are probably some of the funner things to do. We actually have a partner, and you get a drill on your partner, and 
move with them light. It's a little bit better than just standing from a heavy bag. I mean, that's what I've been focusing on at home because I haven't been going to the gym much either. I think uh, the kids they were in school, so that was too much kind of a hassle. And then I've been trying to get bigger, so I'm like 220 right now, trying to put on weight, put on some muscle. But I think this summer I'll get back into grappling a little bit, maybe even explore some competitions, grappling competitions. I don't know. Mm -hmm. See how uh, how many seminars I can get going. That would be nice too. Like, but you, if you have the opportunity, you'd still fight, so to say. No, it's. Uh, I I don't. I've been doing this eighteen years, and the money they pay us, I think, is ridiculous. Mm. You know, I think we're we're definitely there's no free agency in the sport. I think we're getting exploited by all the promoters, and it's just. I don't know if I really want to risk, you know, brain damage, serious injury, you know, a training for the fight for for the amount of money that they're paying us. I just I feel like, yeah, it hasn't pay hasn't grown uh, to fighters along the same lines as the revenues made by the promoters. Mm. Yeah, I hear you. Like, is it worth the physical damage? Things like yeah. that. If I, I can hurt. What's that? Well, I heard Tate talk about this once. Like fighters, like have to sign a contract before they get into the ring. Like whatever happens, we're not at fault. You do this by your own will, and that shit has gone down in that ring. It's like not everybody comes out. Well, they come out alive, but no, do I they mean, really have a life. Well, I mean, I've seen plenty of guys who have gotten uh, plenty of damage done to their bodies, where you know they they don't, we 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 don't have like. Uh, right the right to use like videos from our old fights like we can't even promote ourselves with old fights that we've done because we can't we can't get access to those pictures or videos like we we're, we're the product yet we don't own anything uh the uh the, the biggest company in the in the sport ufc pays like 20 percent of its revenue out to the fighters every other pro sport is at least 50 percent uh other other um you know, prize fighting sports play 55 to 85% usually. It's just, I'm just tired of, uh, just tired of it. I don't know. So let's say when you hear those crazy numbers of a Floyd Mayweather or a Conor mm -hmm. McGregor getting, let's say, 15 million or whatever, what they're getting is only 20% of that? No, uh, Floyd Mayweather is a boxer and the boxers have legal protections to make mm -hmm. sure that they are. Uh, getting the 55 to 85 percent that they they usually get from from those type of things they're they're making the majority of the money because in prize fighting it's about the notoriety of the fighters that matter it's not the promotion it's never been about the promotion but the ufc uh owns the titles they own the ranks that, that, that doesn't happen in any other sport they have contracts that last forever and they're not required to share financial information about what they're doing and how much they're making the, that's something that the uh, muhammad ali act which was passed in 2000 helps in boxing with but you know the uh regardless of the ali act the the boxing in the uh, early or the late 1800s uh the u.s government said that the um, controlling 
independent or controlling the title and a exclusive contracts was was a conflict of interest and they, they aren't allowed to do that so like don king has never been able to own the title in boxing whereas uh you know um dana white controls the ufc title so um. there's way uh more control right now because it kind of similar to like 1950s um hollywood you know, they would sign talent like indefinitely forever and they would control all the sponsors and all the money they made through their whole life so that they were kind of kind of slaves to them. So the UFC just has these contracts that never end. And uh, they have the only title that really, really matters because it's the only only company that does pay-per-views and is able to pay these guys, you know, pay-per-view percentage points. But at the same time, they're they're severely underpaying the athletes. Mm, I hear you. It's the same in music, uh, powerlifting, even world's strongest man. Mm. Those organizations just own you. Although yeah. in world's strongest man, it has been getting better, I believe, where the participants are being paid more. But well, it's like uh, you know, world world's strongest men could probably compete at other strongman competitions, or are they or are they getting stuck. Mm. But yeah, so the the UFC would be like the world's strongest man, but they would sign them to long term contracts, so they wouldn't be able to compete anywhere else. Oh, that really sucks. By the way, have you heard about Eddie Hall and uh, Haftar Bjornsson duking it out in September? I I follow Bjorn, uh, the big. He's a the mountain guy from that show. Yep. Yeah. He, dude, like he got super shredded. I don't know if he was. He had a he had a, a exhibition boxing match not long ago, I think. But that's mm -hmm. that's crazy. Yeah, though Eddie, that's the whole thing. I mean, Eddie Hall has years of boxing experience. I don't know if you follow him too. Mm -mm. Oh man, you 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 might want to check into him because yeah. when you compare that to Haftor, I'm like. Mate, you might be the biggest guy that ever walked the earth, but Eddie Hall will like will run circles around. <laughs> well, you. I, I still can't get over the uh, Pujanowski. He, uh, he was the world's strongest man for a long time, set a bunch of records, and now he's fighting KSWs. Oh, that guy! Oh, yeah, yeah. He's he gets tired fast, but he's out there fighting. <laughs> that huge, what is he? Ukrainian or something? I think he's Polish. I think he's from Poland. Oh, yeah. I know exactly who you mean. By yeah. God, I would not want to get in a ring with that guy. He has a monster. Oh, it's insane. I don't know how much uh, drug testing they're doing over there either. In World's Strongest Man? Oh, no, man. No, it's no, illegal no, no. not to take drugs. KSW. KSW. Because that guy is still as big as he was in uh, World's Strongest Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, it, in World's Strongest Man, it's illegal not to take drugs. Yeah, <laughs> it's a requirement. It's part of the it qualifying is. exam. <laughs> it is, man. I mean, is it? It's not even human anymore. What those guys are living. Yeah, it's like the competition of who's got the best pharmacist. Actually, it. I remember when everybody was shitting on Neil Armstrong or at. Lance Armstrong, sorry, not the guy yeah, who landed yeah. on the moon, the guy with the bi with the bicycle. It's like, oh, he used drugs and things like that. Uh, yeah, not just him, people. Like, like you know, the rest of them. Then they, they, I remember they said something like, the guy who got 13th or something should be the winner because he was the only guy who actually wasn't on something. 
Yeah, well, that's a him problem, I suppose. Though, I do get the argument, though. Like, is it even uh, fair at that point? But, you know, Louis Simmons from uh, West Side Barbell? Sounds familiar. Louis Simmons is insane. Seriously, that, that guy, what was it? He tore his biceps so many times that at a certain point he just removed his biceps so they wouldn't tear anymore there is a great interview with him and joe rogan and they talk about the whole drugs thing it's like roid rage never heard of roid rage no but the thing is they're just motherfucking pussies that's the only that's the only time you get roid rage because you're already a pussy i've seen so many guys big strong bearded bald had all the roids in them you can think of never had roid rage kindest people you ever meet (laughs) what the hell man it's like they should legalize roids. What was it again? They should legalize roids in every sport possible to man because that is the only time it will finally be fair. Just look up Westside Barbell and you kind of know what kind of guy he is. The strongest gym in the world, and he wasn't wrong. That's where all the equipped powerlifters went. It's- yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's this stuff everywhere. <laughs> Yeah. These days there is. I mean, I'm not a big I'm not even a big fan of pre-workout in all honesty. Like I used creatine once. I know I'm horrible. But when it comes to competition, you have to be realistic. I mean, when is dollars online for a lot of these guys, you know, it's a or a change of way of life, you know, when you get somebody who's going to the favela in Brazil and they're, you know, 13 they want to get out from underneath the bridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at All that right. point, you just have to be realistic. Like, what is my competition doing? Well, they probably are. It's possible. Even in the amateur classes. Like, I did powerlifting in the 74-kilo uh, class. Now, genetically, I'm already at a disadvantage. A very, very small bone structure, things like that. Very narrow bone structure. That's the one. But I had guys in my weight class where I was like, this is not possible. That That is just not on a natural level possible. Even when you look at like the charts of uh, previous records and things like that, you can almost pinpoint where <laughs> performance People, enhancing. Yeah. 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 I've been seeing that a lot over the years guys whose careers fell off and then all of a sudden they're doing great again yeah. uh well we're about on an hour and i've got to get going but uh jack it was great to have you likewise thank you for having uh, me Jim. where can people find you okay so on twitter at jack napier nose with a k then you can go to youtube type in jack napier red evening red evening that is my flagship podcast together with rob says uh previously from the masking geek it's a podcast about just two red pill aware guys living their daily life doing their daily things and uh shooting the shit about it also i have some uh, original videos on there where i just like to bring forth ideas and get the conversation going in the comment section to gain new perspectives on them so that's kind of where I can be found. Also, keep your eye on Troy Francis, his Twitter and YouTube, because there will be a new project coming very soon 
with his books being narrated. That's all I can say for now. Awesome. Exciting. I uh, can't wait to hear more about that. Uh, thank you for coming to the show. People, make Again. sure you uh, give Jack a follow. Check his stuff out. He's got quite the dashing voice. He's going to make those uh, reads a lot easier on your commute. I'll do my best. Again, thanks for having me. All right. Thanks for coming. No problem. All right, guys. Play you off a little something. Something classy. That was a classy conversation. Let's keep it classy. Thanks for tuning in. We'll check you later.